having our sins forgiven by God the Son, walking in the power of God the Holy Spirit, so that we will not yield to the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Yes, the Trinity is implied here. I love the Trinity. It is beautiful to see the Trinity here clearly once we slow down and behold the Scripture. I'm pointing this out along with a few points on the structure as a way of highlighting how the seemingly simple prayer is exceedingly profound, not only in its theology, but also in the arrangement of each petition. And I'll be using John MacArthur's outline for God's provision from his New Testament commentaries series, which I highly recommend. There are five parts to this, what I call providential provision, and they all begin with the letter S. The substance, the source, the supplication, the seekers, and the schedule. I'll repeat that. Substance, source, supplication, seekers, and schedule. Jesus teaches us to pray this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. First, taste the substance of God's provision, bread. The historical context for the meaning of bread to the Hebrews is food. For example, after Jacob had his vision of the gate of heaven, he said this in Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 to 22. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 to 22, quote, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, that is, since, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And the stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I shall surely give a tenth to you. Bread to eat refers to food in general. Notice that Jacob did not say roasted lamb. He said bread. In the disciples' prayer, bread refers to basic food, not fancy food. We are asking God for the basics. D.A. Carson aptly writes, quote, This prayer is for our needs, not our greeds. That's easy to remember, isn't it? This, the prayer is for our needs, not our greeds. William Henderson writes, quote, Jesus teaches his disciples to be moderate in their desires and requests. This is brought out even more strikingly in the original, where the words, our daily bread, occur at the very head of the petition. And I confirm this by looking at my Greek, English, interlinear New Testament. And we have an application here. We must humbly ask for and be content with the basics, not luxuries. This is, doing, this is doing God's will, as the previous petition instructs us, and this hallows God's name as holy as we honor Him by being satisfied with Him and not with stuff. We worship the Creator not his creation. Listen to the Bible. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9 says this. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Yes, I included the first part of Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. This demolishes the falsehood and lies of the prosperity gospel. The heretical word faith apostates encourage people to name it and claim it, to have people praying for riches. That is not praying. 
That is profaning the name of God. God does not hear, so to speak, such sinful praying according to Psalm chapter 66, verse 18. Prosperity praying is not praying because it is not in accordance with God's will, but man's sinful, selfish, fallen will. You can tell it bothers me just thinking about it. Remember, Jesus said this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. What does the Bible say? What does Jesus say? Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know that he hears us. Whatever we, it, pardon me, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Again, we are seeing the connection between all these petitions and the disciples' prayer. That's fascinating to me. It's one thing I want you to see this morning. Furthermore, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, in 1 John 3, 22, Jesus said this, or the Bible says this, And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. It pleases our Father when we obey him from the heart. This hallows his name. This is doing his will. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we, brought, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows." This is the Apostle Paul writing to his young protege in the faith, young Pastor Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6-10. through You must be content with the basics of life, because our true contentment comes from the Creator of life. Amen? Also notice the terms in the previous quotation. Also notice the terms temptation and evil in that scripture from 1 Timothy. This ties in our text for today. Give us this day our daily bread with petition number 6 in verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You may, you may be asking yourself this. Why are you talking about clothing and other stuff when our text talks about bread, which refers to food in general? D.A. Carson writes, The bread is real food, and it may further suggest all that we need in the physical realm, Luther, unquote. Here's a question. Is the term bread also symbolic for our physical needs also? Martin Luther wrote this. Everything necessary for the preservation of life is bread. Including food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace, unquote. And I was wondering where that quote came from. And I found it uh, early this morning in the Luther Small Catechism. Many prominent expositors agree with Luther. For example, Arthur Pink writes this, quote, Bread here includes health and appetite, apart from which food does us no good. It also takes into account our nourishment. For this comes not from the food alone, nor does it lie within the power of man's will. Hence, God's blessing on it is to be sought. Pink then quotes 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Thus we thank God for our food and ask his blessing on it for the nourishment of our bodies and our bodies for his service. Again, as we noted earlier, we have the physical needs addressed in our petitions, 
so that we're able to pursue the more important and eternal spiritual things. And I just thought of a, a side note. I don't want to embarrass the pastor, but our pastor uh, is in shape, and he exercises about three times a week and lifts weights. He stays in shape so that he can be a good pastor, so he has the strength to preach the Word of God. It takes a lot of energy and to minister to his flock. And God gives them the ability and the want to to do that. We are to receive food with thanksgiving because 1 Timothy 4, 5 says, For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. In the book we are going through, Along with God, Rediscovering the Power and Passion of Prayer, John MacArthur writes this, and I agree with him, It thrills me to know that the God who created the entire universe, who is the God of space, time, and eternity, who is infinitely holy and completely self-sufficient, should care about supplying my physical needs. Just as loving human fathers want to provide for the needs of their children, so God is concerned that we receive enough food to eat, clothes to wear, and a place to rest. Unquote. I, I want to press the pause button on MacArthur's quote and add this thought. Uh, as I stated earlier, the disciples' prayer is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus preached this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The preceding context for these things is this. Don't worry, but have faith in God. He is faithful to provide food, clothing, and by implication, shelter also for you. After all, since God takes care of the birds by feeding them and clothes the flowers in beauty, will He not much more care for us? I'm pressing the play button again for MacArthur's quote. This petition is more than just a request for physical needs, however. Above all, it recognizes and affirms that every good thing we have comes from the hand of God graciously. James chapter 1, verse 17. This is why it is appropriate for those, this is why it is as appropriate for those who have abundance as for those who suffer lack. Although we may not always always be on the edge of hunger. We can always be thankful in everything God provides and avoid being presumptuous, unquote. James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ who did not believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. As a side note, just imagine that. You're living with God don't even know it. Uh, and this is the same James that historians refer to as camel knees for being a prayer warrior. He wrote this in James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. This transitions us to the next S in our five S's here. The source of our provision. We looked at the substance. Now, this is the source of our provision. Tasted spiritually, so to speak. We tasted the substance, the bread. Now we want to see with the eyes of faith. The source in James 1.17 points us to the source of our bread, all, which is all our basic needs or necessities for our physical life. James 1.17 refers to the Father as the source of all our good gifts. This is, this is who we are praying to in the disciples' prayer. Our Father in heaven. Or as the King James or King Jimmy says so poetically, Our Father which art in heaven. John Gill... Listen closely. John Gill, not Brian Gill, but John Gill, the famous 18th century pastor, theologian, and expositor of the entire Bible, by the way. Not many people have ever done that. He wrote, uh, in England, he wrote this. He wrote that God is, quote, 
the sole author of all our mercies, which are his free gifts. We deserve nothing at his hands. Wherefore, we ought to be thankful for what we have without murmuring at his providences or envying what he bestows on others, unquote. According to part of Acts chapter 17, verse 28, for in him, referring to God, for in him we live and move and have our being. We work hard for the basics of life, but it is God who gives us the ability to work diligently. Moses wrote this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Notice that. Again, we see God being the source of physical blessings with the higher purpose of establishing spiritual blessings. God is the source because he created all things. He is also sovereign. He's also sovereign in his distribution of his resources. We hallow his name and we do his will this way. We joyfully submit to his loving, graceful, and merciful, sovereign distribution of his provision for his people. Since God is the source of our provision, we must ask him for our daily bread. He is the source and thus he is the giver. This brings us to the next S in, our, in, our, in his provision. Supplication. Supplication. This supplication is the chief part of the petition. Petition means request. And the supplication is a chief part of this petition. A supplication, I was looking this up because it was kind of interesting. I was thinking, what exactly is the difference? Uh, supplication is often used as a synonym for petition. You know, synonyms aren't exactly alike. It's like an angle. They're close. A supplication is often used as a synonym for petition. The slight difference is that a supplication emphasizes humility. We are entreating God. Supplication emphasizes humility in a petition. A supplication simply is a humble prayer request to God. Give us this day our daily bread. One famous pastor and expositor of the Bible writes this, quote, The heart of the petition, the heart of this petition is expressed in the word give because it recognizes the need of the petitioner. Even though God may have already provided the necessity, we ask... We ask him for it in recognition of his past and present provision, as well as trust for his future supply. Jesus' instruction and our petitions in this model prayer are valid only because God has promised to provide for his people. We could not expect God to give what he has not promised. That would be presumptuous. But we can pray confidently because God has promised to abide abundantly. Unquote. In other words... We can pray in faith because our God is faithful. Our God is Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. When we pray to our Father to give us bread, we are recognizing our dependence on Him for it. Alexander McLaren, the famous 19th century preacher in England, writes this, quote, Their prayer is a pledge of thankful recognition of God in our blessings. Ah, dear friends, are we not all guilty in this? How utterly heathenish is our oblivion of God in our daily life. How far we have come from that temper which recognizes Him in all joys and begins every new day with Him. Daily mercies demand daily songs of praise. His love wakens us morning by morning. It, it follows us all the day long with its fatherly benefits. It reveals itself anew every time He spreads our table, every time He gives us teaching or joy. 
And our thanksgiving and consciousness of his presence should be as constant as are his gifts, unquote. Sometimes, I want to show you something that's connected with, with this. Give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes we feel depressed, like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, when we look around and see God's judgment on our country for its wickedness. It ought to be pretty obvious we're under Romans 1 big time in the United States of America. Jeremiah writes this in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 20 to 25. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. By the way, that's depression. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. In the same vein, listen to Psalm 42, 5. I can almost hear us singing it during our worship service and Gabe playing the guitar. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hoping God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. God's faithful daily provision provides us with the opportunity to praise him. He is the giver. And in return, we give him all the glory, honor, and praise for taking care of us, his children. Let the word of God encourage your faithfulness right now. Listen to this. Give us this day our daily bread. Sit back and soak up some scripture. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Psalm chapter 50, verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. Psalm chapter 34, verses 8 through 10. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you as saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Psalm chapter 37, verses 3 through 5. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, is encouraging us to trust in God's providential provision for our needs. This man after God's own heart continues in Psalm 37, verses 23 to 25. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he, and he, that is God, delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Listen to this powerful testimony David gives of God's faithfulness in verse 25. I am young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor is the sinners begging bread. We are now ready to very uh, briefly consider the next S in God's providential provision, the, the seekers. The seekers. Give us this day our daily bread. Give who? Give us. This us refers to believers, to those who can rightly call God the Father our Father. Only Christians can rightly call God the Father. Father. Because they have been made right with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I heard the music a while ago. It was talking about a great exchange or something. It's the greatest exchange there ever was. Our unrighteousness 
put on Christ and he paid the penalty. And his righteousness is put on us. That's the active and passive obedience of Christ. His substitutionary life and his substitutionary death. Both justification is the heart of the gospel. And we who have biblically believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior have had the penalty of our unrighteousness, our sin, paid in full by Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. I get fired up thinking about it. The gospel, the good news of salvation, the forever forgiveness of sins by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ alone. The gospel has to do with give us this day our daily bread. Also notice the other plural pronoun. Give us this day our daily bread. Our. Give us this day our daily bread. Consider the thought-provoking quote by J. J.R. Miller. He is a famous 19th century American Presbyterian writer and pastor. He's a pleasure to read. He says this, quote, The bread belongs to him, referring to God. The bread belongs to him, and what we need can become ours only through his gift to us. We may take it and use it without asking him for it, but if we do, we take that to which we have no right even if the food be, be on, our, on our table, ready to be eaten, it is not yet ours until we have asked God for it. Those who pray not, nor even think of God, seem to be fed, as well as the righteous, sometimes more bountifully. God maketh his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. But there is a difference. Those who ask God for their bread get it as his and with his blessing upon it. While those who take it without asking for it get it, it may be fed, but they miss the blessing of God that maketh rich, that giveth value to anything we have. This suggests the true meaning and the fitness of the Christian custom. Is it waning now? Of asking a blessing or saying grace before a meal, unquote. Let's allow the great Puritan writer Thomas Watson if you're going to try a Puritan's out, he's, he's probably he's the one I'd recommend because he's probably the best writer, Puritan writer. Thomas Watson, let's let him do this. Let's let him firmly admonish us. I told you it was coming. Let him firmly admonish us this morning. And I'm reading from, this is the, the book we're going through right now, by John MacArthur, Alone with God, Rediscovering the Power and Passion of Prayer. And some copies are in the, our uh, church library. And Ian Ho is doing a great job with that. Listen to this quote. If all be a gift, see the odious ingratitude of men who sin against their giver. God feeds them and they fight against him. He gives them bread and they give him affronts. How unworthy is this? Should we not cry shame of him who had a friend always feeding him with money and yet he should betray and injure him? Thus ungratefully do sinners deal with God. They not only forget his mercies, but they abuse them. Quote, when I had fed them to the full, they then committed adultery. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 7. Oh, how horrid it is to sin against a bountiful God, to strike the hands that relieve us. Following this, MacArthur writes, never presuming, never Presuming on the grace of God's provisions and thanking him for his daily kindness in meeting your physical needs fulfills the spirit 
of the petition, give us this day our daily bread. Realizing that God alone is the source of those provision, provisions gives him the glory. So we understand the truth here. We're able to worship God and give him the praise and honor and glory that he deserves. We have looked at the substance, the source, the supplication, the seekers, and now we will finish this morning with the schedule for God's provision. The schedule for God's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. God's schedule for supplying our needs is daily. And you may be thinking, does daily mean daily? It does. It's a plain sense of scripture, and that makes sense. Stick with it. In Luke 11, 3, Jesus says, in Luke chapter 11, verse 3, Jesus says, give us, give us day by day our daily bread. This is just another way of emphasizing God's faithful daily provision for us. It's just saying it in a different way. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33. I'm going to say that again. We covered this earlier. But now I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to read the verse following that. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now listen closely to verse 34, Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Unquote. And, of course, we plan for tomorrow, and we work hard. We just don't worry about tomorrow. We can have faith that God will provide. And... I'm going to conclude this lesson, and then I'm going to open it up for a few questions, possibly. I will conclude this lesson with this very encouraging quote by J.R. Miller. I'm not going to end it with an admonishing quote. I'm going to end on an encouraging quote. He, referring to God, he knows our names. Each one of us is personally dear to him. The very, ha the very hairs of our head are all numbered. Not one of us is ever forgotten in heaven for a moment. We can be in no place or condition in which our circumstances are not well known to God. Your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask of Him. Quotation from the Bible there. This teaching makes the law of life very simple. We are not to live to get food, but are to live first and last as gods and for gods. There are but two things we need to concern about, to concern ourselves about. First, we should do our duty, the will of God, as it is made known to us day by day. Then we should trust God for the supply of our bodily and temporal wants. Those who have learned to live thus have found the way of peace. Over-anxiety is sin. It dishonors God for it is bread of doubt. It hurts our own life, hindering our spiritual growth, marring the beauty of our character, and blurring our witness for God to others. If we faithfully do God's will as revealed to us, and then trust God perfectly, the peace of God will guard our hearts and thoughts in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, 
we who have biblically believed and had our sins forgiven, we thank you so much that we can come to you in prayer because of your son, Jesus Christ. He is the only way to you. And we also thank you for the Holy Spirit who helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray. We know, Heavenly Father, that you want people to worship you in spirit, in, in truth, and in spirit with the right attitude. And I pray that because of today's lesson, uh, everybody here, including myself, that we uh, have a better uh, attitude about how to pray better, which is worship, with the right spirit. And also that we can pray uh, according to truth and that this will be a blessing uh, to you. And would help us to honor you and glorify you and grow in our conformity to Jesus Christ. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. And we thank you for this prayer that Jesus has taught us to pray. And help us understand it better and be faithful in going deeper and applying these truths in our lives. We thank you for the day. It's the best day of the week the day that your son Jesus Christ rose from the grave defeating sin, death, and the devil the Lord Jesus' day and we, and we thank you for it, we thank you for Sunday school we love it, we look forward to the worship service following and, and the preaching and the singing in home groups today and I just pray that this day will be uh, set apart uh, for your glory thank you uh, for this time and uh, thank you for uh, giving me the joy and privilege of teaching uh, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, the only mediator between you, God, and mankind. In his name we pray. Amen.